Yesterday we left off discussing the four words. We're going to do a quick recap and then we're going to get into the hardcore. Okay. Come and do it with me so that you can watch it. Do it with me to make sure you get it. Atsilas. What did we say Atsilas was? Next. Correct. It is. You guys here? Okay, ready? Atsilas is next to the light of God. This is the highest of the four worlds. Okay? And it is transcendence. Okay? Which we discussed yesterday. That's leaving the boundaries of this world. This is the world of Ayin. It's the world of... Nothing. Wait, why is it next to the world of God? No, it's next to God himself, not to the world of God. It's next to God himself. A world, as we're going to see, is a cover. I was going to ask what's a world. Yeah, that's what, don't worry. I, I, like I said, yesterday was only the introduction to it. Now we're going to get deep. Okay, now, what came after Atsilos? Anybody remember? Uh, Bria. Thought. Thought. Bria, correct, which is, what does Bria mean? Thought. Creation. Um, and it is... The world that we identified with thought. Okay? And it is the world of Yesh. This is where physical creation begins. Okay? Then there is the world of Yitzira. Yitzira means what? Before we get to the human part, it means formation. Okay? Remember we described it as the pipes. You get something from one thing to the next. So this is Yesh, Meyesh. Something from something. Okay? And it is the world of emotion. Why was it the world of emotion, guys? We described yesterday because emotions are what turn thoughts into actions. into actions, which is the last world, and that is the world of Asiya. Can you discuss this world again? And in this world, whatever you do has an immediate consequence. Right? So your action, every action has an, every action has an equal and opposite consequence or a reaction. So far so good? Now, what are the purpose, what's the purpose of these four worlds? Is why does God create the world this way? This is the world where we live. This is humanity. Okay? What is the purpose of doing Why didn't just God snap his fingers and all of this? Why does it have to be, because remember, this is a chain reaction. This is a Seder Ishtashos. So the top of Atsilos, right? The top of Atsilos, I'm sorry, the, bo the bottom of Bria is, I'm sorry, the, sorry, the top of Bria is connected to the bottom of Atsilos, right? The top of Bria, I'm sorry, the bottom of Bria is connected to Yitzira, and so on and so forth. Why does God have to have it be a chain reaction where one explodes next to another? So let me explain. The word olam means world, but it also means he'elam, which means hidden. Okay? And here's the catch. The biggest thing in all of creation is free will. How does free will come into being? Free will comes into being when you diminish the not the truth, but the perception of the truth then you have free will. So for example, right now if Mikey was holding a knife in his hand, could he stab me? And I am not asking you physically. I'm not asking you if his arm could go like that. I'm saying, could Mikey right now psychologically just stab me in the stomach? Yeah, no. No, no. no of course not. And if he could, what would that say about him? 
Yeah, that would be crazy. Why can't he? Super Why can't he? The reason is because Mikey doesn't perceive me as a threat. And so there's no reason for him to stab me. Okay? And so what Mikey's doing by not stabbing me is he's saying the truth of Reverb's relationship to me right now warrants that he does not get stabbed. And therefore his, his free choice in this situation is diminished. I hope that's what he's thinking. Yeah, his it's, free choice is diminished. His free choice is diminished. Correct. I, I do not have the capacity right now so to murder Benson. I don't have. No, no. I'm saying. Hey, once again, it's not because it's impossible. It's free choice is a real human activity, right? It's what I can and can't do. Not physically. I could do this to Benson right now because mm -hmm. it's worth it to prove my point. But if this was a knife, yeah, yeah. I could not. Not because physically I can't do it. Right? But I could not stab Bensi for no reason. So I don't have free choice over this. The truth is, the truth, this is what's critical, the truth is that he doesn't deserve to be stabbed. I know that so clearly that I don't have the capacity to hurt him. Does that make sense? But now let's say the truth is in flux. For example, maybe I know something to be true intellectually, but I can lie to myself and uh, sort of hide the truth. What would be an example of this? Okay, so let's say I'm on a diet, right? All Rabbi Mashalim ultimately come back to diets, right? Okay, so I'm on a diet. Now I know that if I eat that piece of cake, what's going to happen? Especially if you're a sugar guy. You're going to gain weight. You're going to gain weight and you're going to want more cake, right? So for me, a serving size is 9 by 13. One tin, that's a serving size, right? You know, like uh, some you, ever, you see, you ever eat fig newtons? You know, like mm -hmm. those fig newtons? Yeah. Fig newtons are meant to be eaten by the sleeve, right? Steladoro Swiss Fudge cookies are meant to be eaten by the sleeve. You don't have one or two. You have as many as you can possibly get sizes. Right, Oreos, right? You open it up, you like a wood chopper. It just goes right in. Now, Betsy's looking at me, and he's saying, Rebbe, that's brain damaged, right? Why would you ever do that? Good. Now, the reason he won't do that is because the truth for him is very apparent. So to eat like that would be beneath your dignity, right? But for me, who struggles with his weight, I'll lie to myself. It's just one piece. I'm gonna skip a meal. I'm gonna go to the gym. I will tell my, even though I've never gone to the gym, right? Not like, not never, like two or three times in my life I've been to the gym, but I'm not going to the gym. I don't like working out. I mean, maybe Roy will get me into it, but probably not, right? Because I know how to lie to myself. Right? So I'll tell myself, it's just one piece. And then a tin of brownies later, I'll be like, that was delicious. Right? But obviously that's disgusting. Right? So my perception of the truth, for whatever reason when it comes to food, is skewed. Right? But let's take an example that's for all of us. Let's say there's a halacha in the Torah that intellectually we know to be true. I know it's the right thing to wake up and go to that thing. I know it's the right thing. I could wake up for my flight. If I had a flight at 7 o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't miss it. Right? The guy in Yeshiva once said to me, he was, I just can't wake up. He went to YU, he played baseball. You know what time practices in YU for the baseball team? Six. Five o'clock in the morning. He was waking up for five o'clock in the morning practice. I said to him, how'd you do that? I thought you can't wake up. He goes, I guess you can wake up when you want to, right? Now he knows that the right thing to do is to wake up for showers. He knows it intellectually and yet. Why? Because he doesn't, he doesn't want to. Yeah. It's not so simple. He wants to want to, but he doesn't actually. In other words, there's a part of him that wants to. He doesn't really and, want. And then there's right, and then there's this bias. It's the thought, not the emotion. Oh, good, right? This is the gap between the thought and the action because the emotion is blocking. This is what's critical. 
If you want to have free choice, meaning as follows, if you want to have free choice, you have to have the ability to cover up the truth. In other words, like this. Let's say, Tovi, let's say God came and he was here, in this room, right now. I mean, obviously he is, right, but we don't perceive that. But let's say you saw that. Let's say God's presence in this room was so clear and so obvious, you would not be able to sin. And here's what's really important. Sin is the best thing that ever happened to our relationship with God. Because if we couldn't do an Avera, then we wouldn't have free choice. And if you don't have free choice, then you are not present in the relationship. If you don't have the ability to divorce your wife, it's not impressive that you chose to stay married. If we serve God because we were compelled to by the truth, and we didn't have any choice to ignore that truth, is it particularly impressive, impressive that we choose to follow the truth? No, of course not. So what does God do? He creates a situation where he himself is hidden to allow us have the ability to betray him. Sam. But, so the whole point of life is to basically go through the struggle and overcome the struggle. Yes. The point is, just like in any relationship, right? Let's bring it back to girls because we want to keep everyone interested. In any relationship, in any relationship, my capacity to be in the relationship is to overcome that struggle. What I need to say is as follows. You get married. It's all good and fine in the beginning, right? And then all of a sudden, it's not so fun. And maybe your wife does something that you don't like that she does. And it's really grating on your nerves. Maybe you try to address it with her, but she's not getting it, right? And it's like, now there's a hell of, there's something hidden in the relationship, right? Maybe there are averas in the relationship that are preventing the union in the relationship. So what would you say at that point? Double down, yeah. right? Overcome those struggles, find each other in the darkness. The single most powerful child's game that exists is hide and seek. Why? It's the most exciting game in the world, but there's a vulnerability. What's the vulnerability in hide and seek? Something that just stops seeking. That's right. The vulnerability in hide and seek is what I used to do to my old friend. He wasn't such a friend. He was a kid that we used to bully. It was terrible what we did to him. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I was a little kid. He was a kid who was like a little weird, so we used to bully him. So in shul, we used to say, all right, let's play hide and go seek, right? So he would be part of it. And we would play a couple of rounds, because that's part of the trick. You play a couple of rounds, and then we'd be like, okay, you found me once he would be, now go hide. And then we would all leave shul. And sometimes 45 minutes would go by, an hour would go by, and he thinks I'm in the greatest hiding spot of all time. And then when he peeks his head out, the shul is empty, there's nobody there. We all left, right? Because the most vulnerable thing you can do in hide and seek is not seek the one that's hiding. Same exact thing with us and God. This is a giant game of hide and go seek. All four of these worlds are designed to hide God. So, for example, transcendence is the truth of any relationship, as we spoke about yesterday, right? That's where the relationship actually exists. But then it's not so simple, right? Because I also need to connect around the dimension of thought. And thought and transcendence are different, so it's a little hidden. And then there's also the emotion, and then there's the action. So every layer hides the layer that's above it. And you've got to work through those layers to arrive at the source. But what's critical is if you stop seeking, then the vulnerability of the relationship is in play. God, so to speak, is vulnerable. Because he's opened up to the possibility that we will just ignore him and do whatever we want. You understand? But then the it doesn't bother him. Well, it's not so, not so clear, right? Because what you just... No, 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 but the, the mistake that Aaron just made, and it's a really important one, 
is sometimes we make God so perfect that what we do is we lose God. So, yeah, but he's perfect, which means that he's perfectly sensitive also. And I don't mean sensitive in the way that you and I are sensitive. What I mean to say is as follows. Don't turn God into an idol of perfection, right? So the major difference between Avram Avinu and the rest of the world is what Avram Avinu did is he said, God is not a what, God is a who, okay? And the reason why that's so important is when you speak about God as a what, so then it could be idolatrous, right? But if you speak about God as a personality, which that's how the Torah describes him on purpose, that God does get angry, right, and he does care infinitely about what we do, then when we stop seeking him, he's not bothered in the sense that he's less like my friend Avi, who now feels like bullied and needs to go to therapy, right? He's not bothered in that sense. He's actually bothered, like infinitely bothered. So when we don't do a mitzvah, it's not just like, yeah, hey, we didn't do a mitzvah. It's like the whole purpose of the world, the reason why he created us, we just ignored that. Now, that's what God wants. God wants us to have the ability to ignore it, because otherwise there's no free choice, and then there's no relationship. But there's no doubt he's bothered. Can I take like, like a step farther and say, like, why, why does he, if he's, I don't want to like, make him this perfect but he is, like, he's just an awesome, infinite being who like, created everything. Why does he care if the world doesn't work? Why does he care if the world, like, at the end of the day, like, oh, so much of the little humans, then, 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 then he keep up the relationship. It would have been great if they did, as well as if they did, but then I'm going to make another one. It doesn't matter. Right. You could say that, but that would be me saying this to my kid, right? Um, and I've, I once heard a comedian say this, uh, that he looks at his kid and he goes, get in line, otherwise I'll kill you. I could make another one, right? Yeah. I've, made, I've made you before. I'll make you, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. But you and I have a fundamental difference, that you are not infinite, and you don't have an infinite amount of time to make children. You gotta, yeah. you gotta See, that's, eventually get one. Aaron, that's really sick. That's really sick. If you think the only reason I'm not murdering my kids is because otherwise I'm running out of time. No, but I'm saying, like, no, 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 Again, yeah, I'm not, yeah, but kind of that's what you're saying, right? No, I hear what you're saying. Well, you're trying to make an analogy between you and you, you're parenting and God's parenting, and while I understand that there is a loving relationship that can be comparable between the two, that there is a very real difference in the circumstance, meaning that God is not constricted by time and uh, and or possibility. Right. He, but can, then what you're he saying. can have an infinite amount of children. There's some of them screwed up. What, is, what, is it, what does it matter? But what you're suggesting is, and this is why it's so crazy what you're suggesting, is and I don't mean that the and I know you're I, I know you're playing the devil's advocate to get the answer, but I, I appreciate that you do that. What you're and that's why I'm saying it's crazy. What you're suggesting is that because he can make more of us, the ones that he made are irrelevant. And here's why that's crazy. If I'm infinite, then whatever I make matters infinitely. You understand? So when we make things from the infinite, they really matter. So for example, when you marry a woman and it's transcendent, right? It's one infinite connecting to another infinite. The union of the souls, it really matters when that woman says something that hurts you. As opposed to a random woman on the street who just says something to you and you're like, I don't really care about you. Here's what's really important. Hate is the flip side of love. So when somebody is really bothering you, what does that tell you? I, this person matters enough to me that they're really bothering me. 
right? So, I have so somebody, like, yeah. Hitler, bothers you a lot? Yeah, in the sense, it, it, uh, so that's, by the way, everyone goes to Hitler in this motion. I don't know why. <laughs> everyone goes to Hitler. He's like the worst person you can right. so like, You don't love him. Right, so the truth is, I don't hate him. I don't really hate Hitler. Here's what I do with Hitler. And all of us do this. We nothing him. He's indifferent to the we're not indifferent to him, though. We care about him a lot. Just no, you, you don't. In fact, you've, you've never had boiling rage over what Hitler did. You've had boiling rage? Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, I think so. I was like, pissed. No, if like, I saw boiling Hitler, rage. Yeah. I don't feel like he like, betrayed me. Punching the wall, like, freaking out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe you do. But again, that's interesting to me. Most people, like with a close friend, but a close... Have you ever been betrayed? Has anyone here... I mean, you all have. Has anyone here ever been... They felt like they've been betrayed by somebody that they love? Everyone's been betrayed. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Right? Everyone's been betrayed on some level. That feeling is because... Is because you're so close with them, the feeling of betrayal is so powerful. Whereas there's a person in my life who's kind of like... Not like really the brightest bulb. I don't know how to say that nicely. That's why breakups are so hard. Right, exactly. This person who was in my life, who I don't really care so much about, said a really not nice thing to me, and I was like, okay. Like, it didn't really matter. It didn't register. I didn't get upset. Why didn't I get upset? I don't really care about them. But if somebody I really care about now wants to break up with me, it's so painful. And that's why when there's those bad breakups, it's like the worst thing in the world, right? It's like, it was mutual. Stop lying. It's never mutual, right? So it's the same exact thing here. When God creates us, because it comes from his infinity, because he is infinite, it infinitely matters. You can't separate those two things. You can't say an infinite God created something that he thinks is puny and pathetic. Yeah, like, that doesn't make sense. It's not, it's right. Because it wouldn't make any sense. How could you what's How could you look at something and say, like as people like, do God does God really care if I do Borer? Well, why would you think an infinite God won't care about small details? If he's infinite, don't, don't all details matter infinitely? Right? Yeah, tell me. The idea of like, vulnerability, is that when they use the idea of lonely man of faith and kind of sense, we can't touch most, but do we feel lonely? That's exactly right. It's your vulnerability that's actually the portal in. Chavro, stay with me. Guys? It's your vulnerability that's the portal into his to, to his life. That's vulnerability is the birthplace of connection. That's what salvation means. Well, not necessarily our vulnerability, but we just started learning loneliness and faith for person. And he said that the reason we're able to take Hashem or we're experiencing loneliness is because Hashem experiences the ultimate loneliness. Exactly right. Our vulnerability and his vulnerability meet. Our loneliness is vulnerable for us. His loneliness is his vulnerability. That's what I mean to say. It's lonely because we can stop playing hide-and-go-seek. That portal, when each of us feel lonely, we're touching each other's loneliness, that's where the relationship is born. But that doesn't... In a way, or if you, if you uh, describe it that when we feel lonely, and we feel that everyone gets us, that's when we can actually This is the way we're explaining now. It doesn't seem to be that we have to experience loneliness to kind of shut I disagree. I think that this is that this is the, this description is what creates loneliness in the world. What do you mean loneliness? The hiding of truth. The, 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 yeah, the hiding of truth is lonely. Um, I'll give you an example. Lonely doesn't mean alone, right? Salvation comes that. Lonely doesn't mean alone. I have many people around me. Okay, it's coming. Okay, lonely means, and the way Salvation described it, especially, was an existential loneliness, which means that. 
It's like when I think about myself, right? It's like um, I'm, I'm the only one of me. Like there, is no, there is no one else that's like me, even if I have a twin, even if it's an identical twin. I'm still unique, right? And so a person could feel deeply connected from that place of loneliness. So it would be like, I'm trying to think of a good example, because it's like right now it's very high, but I'm trying to think I can bring it down for you. Think about it like this. If two people went through something together, and they were the only ones that experienced it, and it was like traumatic, right? It was like a big deal that they experienced it. How close will they feel afterwards? Really close. Yeah. It's like when a bad thing happens to the whole community. Right. It bands the community together because in their loneliness, right, in their vulnerability, they find each other. And it's the same thing with God. Most people are sitting and complaining like, I don't see God. Come on. you got to think deeper about it. Of course you don't see God. That's the whole reason you don't see God is that you could find Him. Right? And that's that loneliness of like, I'm all alone. Like a person could go out to like, the stars. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. You go out to like a place that there's just crazy stars. And you just sit in the desert. You think to yourself, it's crazy how small I am in the universe. Right? Like I'm a nothing burger. I was here, I'm here for a couple of years. I'm here for 80, 90, 100 years of this world. Right? And then I will be gone. Return to the dust of the earth. And even in this earth, which is so small within our solar system, which is so small within our galaxy, which is so small within the galaxy of all the galaxies and all the universes that are out there, right? We keep discovering new things. Think about how much space you take up. It's the ultimate lonely experience, right? You're, in, you're literally in nothing. And yet, from that place, you start to think to yourself, and then there's God, who's endowed me with infinite meaning, right? And that's where the relationship is built. So this is what creates wait, wait, the wait, wait, Then there's a God. What? Well, God created you, right, amongst all the cosmos. And he says, of all the things that I created, I created it for you. The rocks can't have a relationship with me because they don't have free choice, but you do. What, was that, what would that say now to you? What about all the animals? You... Say that they're all purposeful, but they don't have free choice like we do. An animal doesn't have the same relationship with God as we do. Right? Only a human being. How do you know the word? There's no aliens. Good question. But let's assume for a moment, just because we've never discovered aliens, let's just assume they don't exist. Right? Because we have no proof that they do. So think about what that means. When we, if you believe in God, then your life, by definition, is meaningful. Rafi. As a um, free will is only to. Um, so you can choose like the true one over a not true option. Yeah. I feel like there's some times where you're at like the crossroad where neither option is like it's not like you're lying to yourself that one, but sometimes it's just equal. It's yeah. Bad. And and by the way, what do you feel in those situations where you're like, I really don't know what to do? I can go well, this way or that. In high school, like I feel like one deep down I knew it was the true one, but I didn't feel like that. I just didn't know which one to pick. And like, so what was the feeling when you had? And you're like, I could see it both ways, and I don't know which way to go. What was the feeling that you had? How uncomfortable were you? But it's all, yeah, I mean, if they're both good options, it's not that uncomfortable. No, but it's saying, but when you're, what the, Chazan, the, the Pasuk initially says, Ein simcha, there's no joy, like removing them. See, when you're in doubt, it's painful, right? Even if both options are great, and I'm sure you sounded something like this in eighth grade. I know both options will be good, but I just don't know where to go, right? And it's this like, there's a heaviness to it because it's, I, I, my, my choices are not like clear, right? I can't get clarity, so how do I make that choice? Once you get that clarity and it becomes like obvious to you, 
let's say you went and visited one of the schools, and you're like, no, that's it. That's where, like, I just felt connected. I saw the rebellion there. I saw the guys there. That's where I'm supposed to be. So then it's Zorin, and then it flows. Until that point, it's very uncomfortable. I'll give you another example of this. Have you ever met a Rebbe in your life that maybe he got along with a lot of people, but for you, it was like that Rebbe really spoke to your soul? Like, you felt like when you were, like, talking to him, like, you felt like when you were talking to him, you felt like, he gets me. Yeah? How great is that feeling? Why? What's great about it? Because that, well, then you feel like you're not, like, the only one who gets yourself. The truth of your, right, of your vulnerability has been embraced. Right? When you meet someone that sees you and connects to you, it's the greatest feeling in the world. I have that, you should know. There, is that what I heard? Is that transcendence? Yeah, exactly right. It is transcendence. It's exactly right. Well, there's no like logical reason why that Rebbe gets you. It no, because, because that Rebbe, as great as he is for you, he's not great for another person. He's okay for another person. He might, he might be good for a lot of people. But if you feel, and that, if you and that Rebbe feel like there's something like here, like, yeah, that's my guy, and that's my, you know, that's my Rebbe, that's my guy, like, that's special. That's, that's a special relationship. Those relationships should be cherished. I sometimes have them even on an interview. Even on an interview, like I'll sit down with a guy and I'll be like, yeah, like this is gonna be, this is gonna be a guy. This is a tiny guy. Yeah. Let's just say that like you meet someone and, like on the transcendence level you instantly click, but like, let's just say one of those other three things you just don't click. Is that not a perfect relationship? Or so then we would be curious why. Right? Because when a transcendent relationship is transcendent, we would expect that your thoughts, emotions, and actions will all align. But that doesn't happen. Why? Because the lack of truth covers it up. Right? So I know it's a transcendent relationship, but somehow my actions don't, don't mean as much to her as I would have wanted them to. And, and no matter what I do, it's not enough. Right? Or emotionally, why do I feel so disconnected from this person? Because I know that it's transcendent, right? But like, somehow I just don't feel connected. What's going on? Right? That's where we dig deep into the relationship to figure out what's really going on. How can it be transcendent if all the other ones aren't there? But no, it, it's the opposite, right? It's how can I if, I, if I've got action, emotion, and thought, it's not necessarily transcendent, right? Because, right. like for example, you could date a girl well, I'll give you the, the opposite example. This happened to my wife's very close friend. So, did they? Yeah. Okay. So my wife's very close friend dated, dated a guy. I know both of these guys that she dated. And these guys are like exactly the same. Okay? You put them on a piece of paper, like if you had a shit up resume, you put these two guys on a piece of paper, they're exactly the same. They went to the same schools, they were the same type of person in terms of their personality, they even played some of the same sports. Okay? These were like two yeshiva league guys growing up. Okay? They both, they all got older, they got a little bit more religious, okay? now they're in like the shit up dating scene. Okay? And so my wife's friend is dating one of these guys, and Everything on paper is perfect. Their values are the same. They like doing the same things. Right? Everything was perfect, except for one thing was messed up. What was the only thing that was messed up? She's like, I can't marry him. I can't, can't marry him. And why not? He's not my, he's not my husband. So she called the Rebbe. She said, I don't know what to do. She's like, he's perfect. So the Rebbe said, he's not perfect. You know why? Because you don't want to marry him. 
She's like, but on paper it works. She's like, but you don't marry a piece of paper. The next guy she dated was this other guy. And this guy and my wife were dating. My wife and I were dating at the same time that this guy and her friend were dating. And so we were like, we got married a week apart. We started dating a week apart. Like, everything happened. Now, I know this guy from high school. He was thrown out of high school, and he came to my high school for a year, and we became close friends. And then, um, and, and so we're dating, and my wife says to me, I won't, I'm not going to say any names. My wife says to me, I'll use a fake name. My wife says, oh, uh, like, Sarah's also dating, like, a serious guy. So it's like, we're, like, both excited together. Like, we're both dating a serious guy. Like, it's a, a serious relationship at the same time. It's like, oh, cool, who's she dating? So she tells me, uh, uh, this guy, whatever, from whatever yeshiva, and she tells me a name. I didn't know him by that name. I knew him by his English name. Now, unbeknownst to me, at the same exact time, uh, Sara is having a conversation with this guy she's dating, and she said, oh, my friend Elise is dating this guy right now. Who's she dating? Oh, this guy Mordechai. Now, he didn't know me as Mordechai. He knew me as Matt. So the two of us are dating, and neither of us knew that we were dating the other person's really close friends. So finally, my wife says to me, she goes, it's really exciting because they're getting engaged. I said, that's awesome. Um, where's, like, the thing? where's the thing? She's like, in his house. So I'm like, where's his house? She tells me the address. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? You told me. She's like, yeah, I said this, like, this is what I'm like, oh, that's not him. He's whatever. He's this, like, uh, this guy I knew forever, right? So what changed? Now, she's marrying this guy. It's the same as that guy on paper. Literally the same as that guy. What's the difference? Personally. <laughs> she wanted to marry him. That's the only difference. You understand? So when there's transcendence, we would expect it should all line up. But just because the actions, emotions, and thoughts are there doesn't mean it's a transcendent relationship. So can transcendence be there if the other three are not? Yeah, and that's what's great about relationships. I know for no logical reason that this is the transcendent one. And yet, even though I have no idea why, right, I now have to work to put these things back together. That's what it looks like when relationships fall apart. Mike? How could that be if they're all connected? Because, and this is exactly what I'm trying to teach you guys in this year, because that's what free choice means. Free choice means that there is, what we've discussed here, is a block. All of these things have a block. Every single one of them as a block, and that block is the truth, right? If it was just the truth, it would go straight down. But there's a block. The same way, Mikey, you might know that it's absolutely the right thing to wake up for Shabbos. Not because of any fancy, sophisticated Hashanah that you went to, but just because you know it, deep inside of you. Like, after all the nonsense, you know it's the right thing to do. And yet, you might sleep in. How did that happen? Because there are blocks, and those blocks cover up the truth, and God wants that truth to be covered up. Because that's the way hide and go seek works. Huh? Sammy. So our, what we have to do in life is basically take the transcendence of what we know is true and the best thing for us to do and put that into actions or thoughts, emotions, and That's right. And exactly that. right. Yeah. Exactly right. That's what every relationship looks like. And every single thing, if you think deeply about it, there's nothing in your life that doesn't follow this formula. It's what I know deeply to be true, what's transcendently true, what's meaningful in a way that's beyond anything logic could describe. And now how do I get to align my thoughts, emotions, and actions with that thing? If I have a job and I know this job is meaningful and important, how do I make sure I'm consistent in doing it every single day? It's with my children, my wife, my job. Every time I get up to give a share, it's all the same thing. You got? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you said, like, how are these, like, the... 
Take a second to think about it. We'll go on to the next person. Yeah. Well, that's how you said earlier. Free choice diminished from the truth. Free choice diminished. Free choice diminishes our. We have free choice because our perception of the truth is diminished. Yeah. All right. There's people that still get offended. Like I know people that's speaking. Obviously, going in and that still get offended through like random people, but they're not like they don't really like love. Yeah, and, and those people generally have psychological issues. They're wounded. No, you just say that. Your sexism aside. No, I'm just saying there's women. You know, there's you have to say that. But when if if, I, if a dog barks, you don't bark back. <laughs> You're telling me if you walk in the street, someone curses at you. It's so I'll be scared. Like I was scared. I went to San Diego and somebody called me a kike from the window of their car. I was scared. So I'm saying if you watch, if you if you like, I'll be scared. I'm not like like oh I hate that person. I'm like I never want to see that. That's Yeah, Ezra. When trying to connect something, which order are you supposed to unblock them? Which order? Yeah. What do you Meaning, mean? Do you connect Atsilas to Bria? So there's two, oh, very important question. Very important question. Guys, Ezra just asked an amazing question. I remember, I have phones away. Very important question. Ezra said, so now I'm blocked. So what should I do? Should I focus on the intellect? Should I focus on the action? Well, there was two schools of thought on this exact issue throughout history in Judaism. Some say, go for the action, and what will happen is, it'll build back up, right? So if you give and you give and you give to something, the feelings will come back, and then you'll start to focus on it, right? And some people say, you just got to do. Correct. And some people say the exact opposite. No, let's, let's, let's focus on it, and let's think about it, and let's psychologically analyze it, and intellectually analyze it. And then the emotions will come, and then the actions will come. And you know what you have to do? Whichever one works for you. So both of them are true, right? You could... You could go after the action, and then the emotion will follow, or you could go after the thought, and then the emotion will follow that. Both are true, because both are connected. But you have to decide what works for you. Yeah? What, what are the blocks? Like, what does that mean, block? Is a block in the Remember, okay. could I really stab Bensi right now? No, I couldn't, right? And that's, I'm proud of that, because if I could, that would mean I'm a sociopath, right? Why can't I? Because the truth is clear, right? Once we introduce bias into the system, the truth becomes shaded. The block is always a bias. Well, what is it? Why is the specific block for different worlds? Why is it? Why is there a specific block in different worlds? Because all this covering up the truth. Then why is that? Yeah, that's that's really just dependent on what we're what, what we need at that time to push through. But you're right. All of these quote unquote blocks really depend on the individual. And sure. some people are going to have be more biased in some ways than in others. Shouldn't it just be a block for emotion, though? No, because sometimes my intellects get blocked. Like, sometimes I think to myself, maybe there is no God, right? Sometimes my emotions are blocked because I said, I'm like, I know there's a God, but I'm so not in the mood. Sometimes I'm actually in the mood, and I know it's true, and still somehow I don't do it, right? So the blocks can be all over. Yeah, Vlad. Is the block, can you classify it as, like, free choice? Like yeah! Exactly right. Every one of these blocks is an opportunity for free choice. That's where they come from. So, so we, like, everyone's like upset. Everyone's like upset. Like, everyone's upset. Oh, so looked like you were, yeah, sorry. Um, everyone's like upset. Like, how come I'm blocked? 
But that's like getting upset in a game of hide-and-go-seek. How come they're hiding? <laughs> that's the game. If you never have an opportunity to... If you're never burnt out, <coughs> then something's wrong with you. If you don't go up and down, if you're just like straight, that's weird. Not the straight part. Yeah, Rafi. Well, um, what we said before about how uh, you could choose whether you're focusing on the action or the thought first, to apply that to Judaism. Like, if someone's, like, say, like, struggling and they don't feel like they don't want to do anything, so one, one way would be to force themselves to put on to feel anything, right. like, even if they don't feel it, and then right. actually there's a problem, and the other way would be to, like, read on, like, certain... That's exactly right. Uh, exactly right. Sometimes a guy will come to me and say, I'm just throwing it on into it, and I'll hand them a book, and I'll say, here, read this. Right? Sometimes the shear isn't working out for you. Let's say, I'm not saying anything specific about anyone specific who may or may not have joined the shear today. I'm just saying, let's say a specific shear isn't working out for you. Sometimes you need to switch it up. Okay, let's work. If, if, you're, if you're not excited about the actions, let's get you into Ashkafa shear. Let's get you into Tanya, right? And let's get you involved in the thoughts. And the thoughts are going to create more emotions. The emotions are going to create more actions. That works. Sometimes you just need to push through. It depends on the person. That's why we don't recruit in the shear. All right. Um, so. Subtle enough? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, so, the, so there are two types of people that I don't, I don't understand how they can possibly have a relationship with Hashem. Uh, number one, a psychopath who doesn't have. Yeah, that's for sure. Derek Eretz Kadamotor. If you're a psychopath, if you have psychological issues, it's going to be very difficult to truly relate to Hashem. So, why? Truly difficult or impossible? It's truly impossible. Okay, so if it's really difficult, it could just be the best block ever. So that's 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 right. right. So if I, so possible, somebody can't can't physically make some of these connections, or all these connections are so perfectly clear that there's the block. So why that would be a tzad? That would be a tzad. So that's what I say. So that was not a second person. That was a right. Why are why would Hashem uh, create somebody like that? Create tzaddik and somebody who's like that. Okay, well, the, well they just, because because they're, they don't they're not giving they're not giving the, the capacity that the rest of you, you said this whole this whole thing the whole reason why we're here the reason why we exist the reason this whole thing is so we get a relationship with Hashem it's for love that's why we have to shuvah that's why Adam sinned to bring us down all these different things that we keep going through to build up this the importance of relationship with Hashem and now there's these two types of people one for good and one I've seen one for bad and seemingly one for good who can't physically form this religion. So I'm only going to answer 50% of your question because 50% we're going to answer in the coming weeks. The tzaddik is the one I'm not going to answer because right now you don't understand the role that the tzaddik plays on a general level. So I'm going to ask you to hold off on that one. But let's talk about the person who has psychological challenges. To me, that person who has psychological challenges, his opportunity in the relationship is to discover Hashem through that process. So what that looks like is as follows. Um, let's say a person massive anger issues I don't mean little anger issues that he's just got to count to ten or like learn a little self control I'm talking about a person who's like clinically angry like really just punches holes something, in walls biologically yeah, yeah he, he like snaps so to me what I learned from Hasidus and in general I think this is just true is um, every challenge is also an opportunity Okay, so what I mean to say is as follows. Um, let's say something terrible happened in the world of politics, okay? And you're, let's say, running for, let's say you're running for office, okay? And now it comes out, this terrible thing about you. You now have two choices. One choice is to roll over and say, I'm not running for office because I can't, I can't possibly win, right? 
The other is how I choose to respond can actually propel me in the polls. So what would it look like, for example, right? If something terrible came out about me. So I said, okay, I could roll over and I could quit. Or I could say, let's have a real conversation, truly vulnerable, with the nation or with the constituency that I'm trying to get to vote for me, about what really happened. And to get up there, not as a politician, right? But to get up there and say, really, really, really messed up, right? And I think we've all done that, and we're all human. And if you don't want to vote for me because of that, I get it, right? I get it. Maybe I, maybe I can't earn your trust. Well, let's have a real conversation about when we make mistakes 20 years ago, should we be held accountable for them 20 years later? And that's what's happening in the world today. Let's take, for example, Antonio Brown, right? Antonio Brown is now being accused again of another rape charge. I don't know what he did or didn't do, but he just signed for 11 days with the Patriots, and after 11 days they cut him. Why? Because another rape charge came out. We're holding him accountable, rightfully, I think, for something that happened a while ago, right? Okay, that all makes sense to us. But what about when it was Kevin Hart? And now it's a bit that he did a long time ago, and now we're going to say, you know, he can't host the, what was it, the Oscars? Something like that, right? At what point, right, we have kids who can't get into Harvard now because at 13 years old, they posted something on their Twitter feed, right? So let's have a real conversation about accountability. You could take your greatest weakness and turn it into your greatest strength. So I don't believe that a person who suffers from psychological issues is cut off at all. But as long as they're suffering, they're not going to truly be in a relationship with God because there's no sense of self. But that doesn't mean it's over. That's the greatest opportunity to have the conversation. It's the greatest block, you're saying. And it's the greatest opportunity. So, 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 okay, so, then, so then I'll, I'll take that impression because my original question was are there people who it's impossible for them to pick up? Which is really, really, really difficult. Yeah, but what I mean to say is and as currently constituted, it's impossible. Right? If, you, if you have no sense of self, how could you be in a relationship? Right? But that doesn't mean it's over. It's like that sense of self now can be discovered, and sometimes the people of the greatest sense of self had to go through those psychological challenges to get there. Those people then become truly connected to themselves, and then they become magnets of love. So somebody, somebody who was born, somebody's born a vegetable, and from the moment they're born, they have no sense of self. Yeah, I can't, I can't understand. There, it's, it, it, obviously, we're not going to kill them because there's ushers who will be the spark of life and all that. Right. But do they have any... The answer is yes, but not one that I can understand. It's not a free choice. Right, so that's, that's my point. I can't understand, I can only understand relationships that are built on free choice. The relationship in that case is a different type of relationship, which one, Baruch Hashem, I can't understand. But that relationship looks more like this. That's mine. Like, um... Yeah. Like, yeah, like I'll, like I'll give you an example. Um, a close friend of mine, somebody who's an alumni of this yeshiva, who was a Talmud of Revisingson, very recently his wife gave birth to a baby that's got a chromosomal disorder, and the baby is going to die. It's not a question of when, it's, a, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And it's going to die Alpiteva, the latest that it could live as a year. But it could be any day. And this child is not mentally present because of this chromosomal disorder. It's just not there. Um, it's obviously very, very, very sad for all of us who care about him very deeply and his family. Is, it's hard to have a disabled <coughs> child. 
child, and it's hard to have a disabled sibling, and we can't understand what that means. But this is like even worse because it's like it's not even gonna last, right? So what's the emotion that the parent has in that case? Like you're holding this child and it's yours and you love it, right? And it's like a transcendent relationship and it's so powerful and profound. You know, the child's not going to live and the child's not able to reciprocate. The child's not able to make, like, you know, even the faces that somebody who, like, loves you. Like, children can do that. They can laugh at you and smile at you and recognize you, right? And that's, like, a big thing when you become a parent and you just, like, start to tickle the baby's chin and the child starts to recognize you and knows your smells, right? And it's like the child is okay being held by you, not because it can even really see you or make you out so much, but, like, more like just because it can smell you, right? So there's something so powerful about that because this is the beginning of connection. This child doesn't really have that. So would you say that the parent doesn't have a relationship with the child in that case? Of course not. But the relationship in that case is so atzmi, it's so essence-oriented, it's not something that I can understand. It's just pure essence-to-essence essence with none of the other trappings. So there's, I don't say it's the best, but I guess it's the more, it's the closest... No, 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 no. I think you're right. I think sometimes when you lose all of the other stuff, and it's just essence-to-essence, essence, there's something amazing that comes out. And that's why when people get sick, and the loved ones that we have in our life when they get sick, sometimes everything gets thrown away and all there is is relationship connection. All the thought, the emotion, everything all is all gone. Because now it's like we don't have time for that anymore. It's just essence to essence. It's all pointless. Right. And that's why you see like people who have been fighting their whole lives and haven't spoken for 20 years and now one of them's on their deathbed. All, all, all they want is to make shalom. Or it's like when it's like, it's like the, the, the famous. Uh, that's right. No, there's a lot of truth to that because they're closer. They're all the bad just fall away. The thoughts, the emotions, and the actions aren't as important. I once, I once had this conversation with a dad in Mavasara who his son was already married and had this huge blow fight and they weren't speaking. They hadn't spoken for like six months. And neither side was willing to give in. So the truth is the son should have given in. He should have. But he wasn't giving in. And the father was on the phone with me and I said, he was like, I'm not giving in. So I said, I hear you. I asked him how old he was. So he said, I'm in my 60s. So I said, Ezra Hashem, you're going to live for another, you know, 55 years. But let's say you did. Let's say in 20 years from now you're on your deathbed. 20 years from now on your deathbed, you're going to be proud of the fact that you didn't give in. So he's like, no, I don't want this. I'm like, if you don't want this, then show them at all costs. Don't let the other stuff get in the way. And I said the same thing to his son. I said, you're too young to, you're too young to appreciate what you're throwing away. But you don't want to be a guy who in 50 years from now had nothing to do with his father. I know a case, it's a real case, somebody who I'm very close with, the last words he ever said to his father were, the next, I'm sorry, the last words his father ever said to him was, the next time I see you, it'll be at your funeral or mine. And he died. The father died. And that was the last thing he ever said to his son, and that was the last thing his son ever heard from him. What was that? Yeah, but it's trauma forever because of that. Could you imagine? So sometimes we get so caught up in other stuff. And by the way, that's, that's all of Hasidus. All of Hasidus is like, you, you can get caught up in the action and not serve God. Right? People go on Tzvillin all the time and not serving God. Even the emotion you can get caught up in and not serve God. You gotta actually connect to the thing. You had a question before? I was just thinking about how 
we would describe a uh, psychopath. Yeah. Answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Rafi, last no, one that I want to say. Okay, good. So now I'm going to teach you a cool thing. Okay? And this is the second to last point, and then we're going to get to the actual point. Okay? Davening. So many of us, including myself, have trouble with formalized prayer. Formalized prayer can be really, really difficult, right? Because saying the words of the Siddur every single day, and I've got to say the same thing three times a day, it's so hard to do, right? All right, I'm going to give you a pro tip here, okay? Davening mimics these four worlds. And actually what davening is, is traveling through these four worlds. So that by the time you get to the pinnacle of davening, you find yourself in Atsimus. Let me explain. The beginning of davening starts with what? What do we start davening with? With brachos and karbanos. All action-oriented. After that comes psukei de zimra. Psukei de zimra is kapitlachav tehillim. Meant to evoke emotion. By the way, what's the halacha? The halacha is, if you need to skip psukei de zimra to catch up, you can. But by the chasidim, they tell you not to. You know why? Because you want your pipes you want your pipes to be in order. So it's better to say it all so that everything flows. Then we get to Kriya Shema. Guys, what do we say in Kriya Shema? Fascinating thing. We say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. What happens? What's the halach if you don't have kavana? Were you Yodzei? Why? Because it's the world of thought. In the world of thought, you must pay attention. And what do we say in Shema? Once you come to the cognition of Echad, that God's oneness is present in the world. What's the next word you say? After Barashen Kod Mokhsulayel Ben, what's the first one? The connection of the emotion and the intellect. And then, after Berchus Kriya Shema, you get to what? You get to Shemona Esrei. Now what's the halacha, guys? Are you allowed to say Shemona Esrei out loud? You're supposed to model on this. You're supposed to say a little bit like you're whispering so that only you can hear it. Ki'ilu, you're whispering to yourself. That's a strange halacha, right? Where you're like, Rekodesh is action. Rekodesh is action. Till when? Till Pesukit is till Mizmor Shir. I mean, no, I think right after that is Mizmor Shir. Right after, right after, like, you know. Right after what? Rekodesh Shachar, Rekodesh Shachar, goes to emotion. If you look at Pesukit. Correct, yeah, exactly right. Right after Rekodesh Shachar, goes to emotion. Now, let's say Mikey is standing right next to me. And I'm speaking really loudly and Mikey's here. How uncomfortable is Mikey? Have you see him? It's not just my bad breath. It's also an obnoxious thing to do. Because if I'm right next to... I'm sorry. Because if I'm right next to someone... It's okay, I like to be awkward. If I'm right next to someone... Yeah, I'm like the Michael Scott of Rebellion. If I'm right next to someone... Keep you guys awake. If I'm right next to someone, you shouldn't scream. So if you're not Silos, if you're right next to God... What would you want to do? How would you be talking to him? Softly. Softly. In a whisper. You shouldn't need a halacha for that. How close? The halacha reflects the reality. That's why you need the halacha. To tell you that this is what's really going on. The reality is you're right next to God. How close are you? Well, if I'm whispering to Libel and I'm this far away, then I'll let you speak like this. But if I'm right in Libel's ear and I whisper anything above the fact that only I can hear it, it's going to be obnoxious to Libel. How close are you to God in Shemona you're as close as possible. Now watch this. How obnoxious is this statement? I say it also, so don't feel badly if you say it. Yeah? I'm so not in the mood to daven. <laughs> That's like saying I'm so not in the mood to talk to the person that I love. 
I'm so not in the mood to be connected to my essence. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It only makes it doesn't. It, it only makes sense because of the blockages, right? No, no. You, you, when you were talking to your parents and your parents are like nagging you, like, how did your day go? How did your week go? Here we go. Like, I just want to break. I don't want to talk to you right now. Right. And would you that say that if your father was Chas Shalom dying, and you had moments left to live with him? And he was nagging you. You know what you would feel like? Last moments of nagging. No, but if you look at, but if you look at a family that's that's dealing with someone who's very ill, you also you always the parents, the doctors, everyone they tell you you have to take a break. You can't be so for sure. No doubt about it. It's really hard to do it three times a day. But here's the thing about relationships: if you don't tend to them, they wither. If you only talk to someone when you want to, are you really in a relationship with them? If I only daven when I'm in the mood, right? Who am I in a relationship with? Not with God, I'm in a relationship with myself. You understand? So it requires doing the thing I don't want to do. And yes, I don't want to talk to my parents when they're nagging me. But I'm being a son. That's what it means to be in a relationship sometimes. I don't want to talk to my wife when she's nagging me. But that's what it means to be in a relationship with your wife, right? And when you get to be a parent and your children are nagging you, you won't want to talk to them either. But that's what it means to be a parent. Fair? Rafi. I feel like in a real transcendent relationship, you don't want to talk to someone. Like, if I have a friend that I've been talking to for a month and we continue talking. Agreed, 100%. Agree. Which is why, no matter how far you stray from God, you always know that. That's right. But, if he's a real best friend, it pains you not to be in touch with him. If it's a real best friend, it's like, I can't live without you. So, I don't understand personally how long-distance relationships work if the relationship is real. Because if the relationship is real, it's like, that's my wife. What's she doing on the other side of the world? You know what I mean? So if my wife chose to move back to America, I love you guys, but I'm out of here. Right? Yeah. Can you explain again why because Psuke de Zimra, remember we said, guys, because Psuke de Zimra is the pipes, right? So I want to connect my actions and my thoughts. I need Psuke de Zimra in order to do that. What time is it? 5.30? Can I get maximum 15 minutes more of your time for us to finish the parak? Let's do 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah? Okay. With all of that in mind, we're now going to be able to learn this last piece in Tanya. <laughs> okay. Oof. We're pushing through today, right? You're tired. How are we doing? Pushing through? Is it worth it? Yeah. Is it worth it? You learning? Okay. As long as you feel like you're accomplished. Go back to page Kuf. Okay? You will recall that we were discussing the infinite relationship that every single one of us has with God. And that relationship is so strong that even the fingernails, remember guys, even the toenails of a person come from the DNA of the Father. And so you're always connected. 
right? And all the souls are different. Some souls are higher, some souls are lower. Now look what he says. So too when it comes to the root of every single soul. And by the way, when we say every single soul, what do we mean? All three dimensions of the soul. Nefesh, which was the soul in action. Ruach, which was the soul in emotion. Neshama, which was the soul in its intellect. All of those, all of the dimensions of the soul... As it comes down one level to another, what are the levels that it's coming down through? Every single soul travels through these four worlds that we just spent the last two days describing. So it starts off, where's the soul's journey? Before Atsilus, where is it? It's not just in God, it's in the highest madrega of God, in His wisdom. And remember, what did we say? Very good. God and His wisdom are one. So the soul is one with God. And now it's traveling through the worlds. Transcendence, thought, emotion, action. All from, originating from where? From God's wisdom. Kedachsiv, as it says in the Pasuk, kulam bechachma asisa. Every single soul was made with wisdom. Right? Meaning what? It's coming from God's chachma. So the Amirats and the people that know nothing, those lightweight Jews, they don't, they don't, uh, they're not big, yeah, they're not strong. Not, these are not like the tzaddikim. These are not the guys doing the right thing. These are the guys like me, Amirats. I don't know much. I don't do all the mitzvahs all the time. Yeah, how deeply connected are we to God? We are infinitely connected. That is a huge statement of the Alter Rebbe, that no matter how far you fall, you're you've journeyed all the way from God's Chachma, all the way down to the pits of where you are, you've gone through all the worlds, Im you retain your infinite connection with God. And that's logical. Just like the same way a child is born and develops, right? Even to the toenail, Right? That toenail comes from the DNA, which comes from the wisdom of that father, that initial flash of inspiration that I'm going to have that child. Jonathan, a couple of days ago you said you didn't have this. Now it makes more sense to you? Okay, good. V'im kolzeh, and nevertheless, wow, Mamash Abal so impressed. The im kozen, nevertheless, odena kishuros umiyuchados biyichud nifla vaatzum b'mahusun vaatzmusun arishon shiam shachas chachmeila. This it's it's unbelievable. If you look at the words of Tanya, how beautiful are the words of Tanya, especially to those Jews like like me and you who struggle and that don't always find the the strength inside to wake up for davening, or that maybe sometimes look at things that we shouldn't look at, or 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 say things we shouldn't say. Yeah, what do we do with those Jews? What do we say? They are still connected and one. Miuchados, they're singular, they're one. Beyichud nifla v'atzum, with the most incredible, wondrous oneness. Bimahusan v'atzmusan arishan, we're still connected to that initial point of essence in God, which is God's wisdom being brought down into this world. Ki yinikas v'chayos nefesh ruach and neshamo shalame aretz, the sustenance, page Kofdalid, Yenika. You know what Yenika means? To draw sustenance from, okay? The Yenika of the life force of your soul, Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, of the Amiratsum, of those low Jews, Himi Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, Shalat, Sadiq, and Bechachamim, Roshe, Bene Yisrael, Shabadoram. 
This is a very big statement of Hasidus, and it goes to our connection with the tzaddik. And that's why I told Aaron before that I'm not going to answer him right away, because now I'm going to answer him. Remember, guys, we said that there's a bridge, and Jews are the bridge. We're a little bit godly, because we have a nefesh alokis. We're a little bit worldly, because we have a nefesh Bahamas. So we're in two worlds. You guys remember that? Yeah? Now, we're souls. That's what we are. We're walking, talking souls. Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. How do those souls get sustained? How does the bridge get kept up? Well, there's a life force that's constantly coming into the world that sustains our souls. Now, where does that life force come from? Now, of course it comes originally from God, for sure. Absolutely. But here's what's critical. Different people are in different positions in the bridge. So remember we said that there is those Akev Jews, those low-level Jews? They're on one level of the bridge. They're all the way on the worldly side. Now it's good that they're there. Why is it good that they're there? Because if they behave appropriately and do what they're supposed to do, despite the fact that they're down in all the muck and they're not doing the right thing, right? And then they do tshuva, and they're, they're like all wrapped up inside of that stuff, that's going to bring God into the world. But they also need a power. They need the power, as we're going to learn a lot about, of the tzaddik. The tzaddik, he's not, remember, what do we say about the tzaddik, guys? He doesn't sin. Because even a bainer, he doesn't sin, remember? So the tzaddik doesn't do any averus. Exactly right. So where is he on the bridge? What was that? Why is the tzaddik? So for, exactly, so I'm going to answer that question right now. The point of the tzaddik is not to go low into the world. We're going to do that. The point of the tzaddik is he's like the CEO. He's got to make sure that everybody's going in the right direction. He's got to make sure that everybody gets what they need in order to do it. What was that? It's not doing a good job now. Depends if you're connected to the tzaddik or not. No, I'm talking about the rest of the world. Well, we'll see about the rest of the world. That's a good question, but we're not up to there yet. Let me just make sure I get this point in, and then I'm going to start taking questions. So it goes as follows. The tzaddik is at the front end of the bridge. Why, why is he still on the bridge, guys? Because he's not God. He does have a physical form. He isn't a body, right? So he's on the bridge. But where on the bridge? Right? He's on the other side of the bridge. He's all the way by the godly side. He's directing traffic. And all the life force that comes in, comes in through the tzaddik. And when we are connected to the tzaddikim of our generation then that fills us up with life, which is why sometimes when you find your tzaddik, all of a sudden your life changes. Not only because they teach you things that you didn't know or role model a particular type of behavior, because just being near them makes you come alive. That's what it means to be connected to a tzaddik. Well, so there are 36 hidden tzaddikim in the world, but there could be more than that. But remember, there's very few tzaddikim in the world in every generation because these souls are so rare. God spread them out, as we said, throughout every generation to make sure that every generation has some. So, again, I don't play the game of who's a tzaddik, who's not a tzaddik. I'm not here to play that game. But when you're with that tzaddik, it's like, that's like you feel, you, you come alive. That's why my Rebbe is my tzaddik, right? Parnas is my Rebbe. And when I'm with him, it's like... Not only can he teach me Tyra, and of course he does, and not only can he role model for me like what is appropriate behavior, and he absolutely does that too, but just being near him, it's like an illuminating experience. So you're saying he doesn't have an Akev Neshama yet? For me. How do you tell? Oh, for you. Yeah, meaning I, I can't tell you in Shemayim what's going on, but I can tell you for me what's going on. So when you find your Rebbe, you'll be like, that's my Rebbe. And you'll, and you'll want to be kashur to him, because the more that you're kashur to him, the more it's like, 
You're connected. Okay, let's take some questions. Tugin. Two things. First, where did this idea of the bridge come from? The bridge is the concept, because remember, we have a nefesh Bahamas and a nefesh kiss. God is on one side. Think about it like Brooklyn and Staten Island, right? So the bridge has to be a little bit in both places. Meaning Brooklyn and Staten Island. Which, in order for it to be a bridge. Which part of that relationship is the holy part? Yeah, that's a good question. I was, was going to say, use the GW. <laughs> what was that? What are those places? Well, God and God and the world, right? If a bridge has to be, let's just stay with the metaphor for a second. If, if a bridge is not in Brooklyn, it can't be a bridge to Brooklyn, right? It has so to have... Right. And the Jew is the bridge. Because we have a little bit of God in us, Nefshalukis, and a little bit of world in us. So every time we do a mitzvah, we're bridging the gap between God and this world. That's the purpose of Judaism. But so mitzvahs are like the foundation? Mitzvahs are not the foundation. Mitzvahs are what we do to unite Shemayim and Aretz. So the tzaddik is going to find himself on the bridge. Let's say the point is to get from Brooklyn to Staten Island, right? From Kodesh to Chol. Let's say that's the way the Moshe goes. It's not true, but let's say. Yeah? So the tzaddik would be more on the Brooklyn side, directing traffic, making sure everybody gets what they need in order to get across the bridge. I thought we each are, are we each our own individual bridge? Yes and no. We are each our own individual bridge, but we're also part of this larger bridge where that's why each Jew, if we're not connected to each other, the whole thing comes crumbling down because we got to get godliness across, and that requires every single one of us to do. So that's always the challenge of Judaism, I'm right? I'm understanding you say because we're each part of the bridge, but how could the tzaddik be directed to make across the bridge? So if he's like on one side of the bridge, but how can he be on one side of the bridge if he is across the entire bridge and connecting? Because he's not, he's not across the entire bridge. The tzaddik's relationship to this world comes through us. Think, again, think about it like a bridge, right? If all of us were like locking arms. You know how like, um, you ever see that at Smacho where like people like link arms and they throw the bar mitzvah boy up in the air like that, right? So think of it like that. We're all links in a chain and that giant chain makes up the bridge. Now, those chains at the beginning are going to be more godly in the sense that godliness is more transparent within them. Right? And then they're channeling that godliness across the bridge so that we can all get what we need. Those are the initial links. Now, you and I, probably not you, but definitely I, we're towards at the end, of, I'm like towards the end of the bridge because I'm very shaku, I'm very like immersed in the physicality of this world. And because we're immersed in the physicality of this world, when I do a mitzvah, it has a particularly spiritual manifestation in this world that changes the nature of this world. That's why we ought to be excited to do mitzvahs. Because my connection to the tzaddik, right, is what gives me that life force. It's what emboldens my neshama to actually go into the world Should it be and do it. Connection to God? Of course, it's your connection to God. Of course, but even though my connection to God is essential, and I have a piece of God within me, I also need the tzaddik to teach me how to access that. Yeah, but like you should, you should like try to be the best version of yourself. You shouldn't compare yourself to like, the Of course, and nobody's telling you. you try to be the tzaddik, even if it's not you. That's why nobody's telling you to be a tzaddik. But think about it like this: no, right? like, try to be your rebbe. Like, uh, no, but you shouldn't try to. Be, you tzaddik. shouldn't try to be your rebbe. You should try to be you. Let your rebbe help you learn how to be you. Right? It's like if a person goes to a psychologist. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right? The psychologist isn't teaching you how to become someone else. He's teaching you how to become the best version of yourself. It's like the general. He's the general. That's right. He's the, the general. Ar- the general doesn't win the war. The army so does. But the army can't win the war. The general. Rebbe. Well, first of all, you may not have one rebbe in your life. You might have multiple rebbe. You, you may have multiple people that inspire you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there's a story with the Lubavitcher rebbe. 
that um, Elie Wiesel, you know who Elie Wiesel was? He was a famous person who, um, who he was a Holocaust survivor and he, he, fought the, he fought to get a lot of things from the, Nazi, from the Germans for Elie Wiesel. It was, uh, it was called a Nazi hunter, whatever. He once went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, but he was a Vizhnitzer Chassid. He wasn't, he was a Vizhnitzer Chassid. So when he went... Yeah, he was Jewish. So um, a Vizhnitzer Chassid, it's a different sect of Chassidus. Vizhnitz is a different sect. Yes. So he was, comes from a Vizhnitzer family. So when he first met the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he writes that he told the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I'm, I'm, I'm a Vizhnitzer, I'm not interested in becoming a Lubavitcher. So the Rebbe answered him, the important thing is to be a Chassid. It matters less who's... The Iker is not where you are, like which sect of Hasidus. The Iker is to be a Hasid. Okay, Ezra. Where does the Russia fall onto the bridge? He's like, he's the Akev. The Russia, like all of us, right? Because remember, in Tanya, we're all the Russia, right? So, like all of us, he struggles with his humanity. He falls all the time. And hopefully, through his connection to Zerbeim and the inspiration that he finds in learning and all those things, every time he gets back up, Ezra, even if it's only like this little, like, get up, I only made one shachas this week, and maybe I didn't even make a shachas this week, I only made a mincha this week. Every little fight that he manages to win is beyond, beyond his arms. Everybody's considered, or like most people consider a Russian. Like if, I, if, I, if I commit an act of transgression, I'm, commit, like, I'm Russian. Yeah. Okay? But like, what if I come, like, what if I, if I do a mitzvah? Am I considered a tzaddik? You're a bad Russian. If you do tshuva in that moment... Like, no, sometimes I do a mitzvah, sometimes I do a mitzvah. You're a Russian. I do a Russian. You're a Russian. No, but you're, you're, you're still a Russian because, remember, the whole point, to go back to the first year, is Russia just means imbalanced. Remember, like we said, if you get sick, it's, you didn't get sick for a, a random reason. It's because there was an imbalance in the system. Anytime you do an Aveira, it's indicative of an imbalance in the system. So... Does, does the Tzaddik Tzaddik is born in Tzaddik The questions that you all ask are important You'll learn as much from the questions as you will from the answers Yeah. All right, so if a Tzaddik is He has to be a Tzaddik, he's born a Tzaddik That's his role in life He still has to um, become the Tzaddik So, 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 so what I was going to ask was Does a person really have a say in him being a Tzaddik? You do not have a say in the design of your soul what you have a say is, will you actually fulfill the design of your soul? But, wait, but if we just said that the tzaddik has no yitzahara, and now, tzaddik, now that he's a tzaddik, now that he's a tzaddik, this, said he's born a tzaddik. He's, 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 born, born, he's born with the capacity to get to that level where he will eradicate his yitzahara, as opposed to the benoni, right, which is what we're striving for, which is we know that we're not going to get rid of our yitzahara, but we strive to always act appropriately. So every person is a tzaddik until they aren't. Has the potential to be a tzaddik until they aren't. Right, but the point is, instead, so either we're saying, either we're saying that your your neshama specifically, like this neshama has two parts, the bad, whatever. I'm, I'm simplifying, but he has the good part and he has the answer part, and they say, oh, this tzaddik is only born with the good parts. So we're not saying no, that. that's not what we're saying. We're saying he's born with everything. We're saying he's also the tzaddik may also have his struggles. By the way, you may see that he becomes a tzaddik at a very young age, but it's possible that he'll only become a tzaddik at forty. My friend is the most star the person who was a god of, and then he became a, a big gun and a gemara. Rish Lakish. Yeah, so Rish Lakish. Yeah. Okay. What are we talking about now? I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. Oh, I remember that share. I remember Great leaders that have what? Great leaders that have what? 
Who says? Okay, you say that that's specific instances for divine providence. That's not what's called. So, that, that's not the norm. Yes. If free will can be taken away, it doesn't mean that it's not. That's right, and that's exactly what Rav Dessler writes. Rav Dessler writes that the goal of a person is to lose their free will. Because remember, all free will that I have is only because the truth is not apparent to me. Uh, the more truth you have in your life, the less free will you have. We're not proud of our free will. The fact that I could do terrible things I should be proud of? No way. I want less free will. I have tons of free will. So every single person is born with free will. We don't want no free will. Even at the time, closer touch I want no free will. Because right, when I'll have journeyed through all of my free will, right, your free will is changing. Because no, hey, oh, I'll give you a proof that it changes. Bensi, what'd you play with when you were six years old? For hours. What'd you play with? Because you were a kid. Cars. cars. Like little matchbox cars, right? And what would you do? Like smash them against each other and like. All right. And you used to probably, I don't know you so well, but I imagine you were doing it, like many kids, probably for sometimes two, three hours at a time, right? Do you think you have the capacity to do that now? Well, your free will changed. Right? You're, because you used to have the free will to do it, and now you don't. But that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, there you go. So now, when you're, so when you're, when you're six years old, your free will is, is, limit, is, 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 is very, like, you know, unique. And then you grew up, and little boys appreciate little toys, and big boys appreciate bigger toys, right? So, like, maybe those, right, so maybe those little kids are playing with Matchbox cars, and maybe you get older, and you're playing with Hot Solo cars, right? And it's like, now I'm going to trick out my lights and sirens, right? A guy flying down Central Avenue at 90 miles an hour, and it's, you don't even know there's a car there. It's all lights and sirens, right? So that's, that's just bigger boys with bigger toys. But as you... Why are they into that? It's so funny. What's that? Like, why are they into that? That's it's, it's, right, it's because for it's them... <laughs> no, but for them, you don't understand. When you speak to people... First, I don't like to make fun of Hatsala only because one day I'm for sure going to be the guy that they saved my life and I'm going to be like, oh, right, oh man. Really what was that? It's, it's a really good like, thing. Hatzal is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's amazing, of no, course. Well, but, but, <laughs> having said that, yeah, right? It's like, they, they like doing it. I once visited, I, I once visited the Hatzala headquarters in the five towns in Farakway. You know what Hatzala is? The ambulance is called Hatzala? Yeah. It's a Jewish volunteer ambulance. But it's huge. They have tons of ambulances. Like, it's very... People walking around with walkie-talkies and they tricked out their cars. It's a whole thing. They make a big flex. So, yeah, it's like a huge flex. It's a huge flex. You so, want to show you turn off the volume. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I need everybody to know that I'm going on call. You know? It's like... And then you have the guys who, like, joined... Um, and what was that thing that, you, that could help you change your cars? Yeah, Chaverim. And all of a sudden they got walkie-talkies. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to change a car on Shabbos. You're not changing any tires on Shabbos. You turn that thing off. Okay, fine. So I once went up, I once went up to the Hatsala, um, Hatsala garage. They have this huge, like, um, you know, massive garage with the Hatsala ambulances. And on the top is, like, where, they're, the, where dispatch is. So they all have, like, rotation, like taking the dispatch, right? It's the cutest thing in the world. They have like donuts and cakes and like Chinese food and it's like they have posters on the wall and like they're all hanging out and I'm like, this is a boys club. Like this is where all you little kids grew up and decided now we hang out here. Like some people hang out in the base medrash. They have like their hangout and it's great because it's, they're doing massive chesed. But I, I was like, like I get it. Like if you want to like not be home at night and like not get in trouble because like, what do you mean? I'm saving lives. 
Hatsala is the best place in the world to go. There's tons of free food. There's like, I'm telling you, there were some video games, but there could have been. You know what I'm saying? They're like comfortable couches. And like a bunch of guys like hanging out, joking around with each other and like waiting for a call. I'm like, I'm joining Hatsala. This is awesome. And then I don't have to keep Shabbos anymore either, right? So it's like, <laughs> this is amazing, right? So it's all just bigger boys with bigger toys. But here's what's critical. Of course you have to keep shops. Of course you have to keep shops. I, I forget. I, I forget we had out of towners here. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have to keep shops. So no. So this is why. Because your free will shifts. Right now, at some point in your life, you can't play with those matchbox cars anymore. And maybe even driving a fancy car, you'll be like, "What's the point of driving a fancy car? That's not going to bring me more happiness. That's just image driven. I don't want to be an image driven person." Right, so your free will starts to shift again. And then you're like, wait a second, I'd ra- I want to make money in my life because I need to support my family. But the difference between making $300,000 a year and $600,000 a year might be a massive difference in how much time I get to spend with my family. So all of a sudden you might sh- downshift again and you might say, well, wait a second, do I really need that fancy car? I'd much rather have a relationship with my but children. But that, is, that isn't free will, that's the action of your free will. No, that's the result, meaning I could not do a job that would pay me seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. You're making the choice, right? But that's the you point. Could. At some point, Just because one choice is less appealing doesn't mean it's not a choice. That's true if that's the level you're at. But at some point, it becomes so obvious to you that that's the only choice for you that you literally couldn't lead a different lifestyle. So at the str- at the point of struggle, no, that's what you're thinking because you're in the struggle. So even if I, okay, if I knew, let's, let's bring it back to religious terms. Like if I knew, um, like that, like if I had a shame right here in the room. Then you couldn't have choice, because the truth would be so obvious it wouldn't allow for. But at choice. the same time, I could say, "Ah, I know the truth," but in principle, I can still sin. No, you can't. Why that's my, that's my point. You can you can sin forty days later when that feeling has dissipated, but as long as you are literally in the room with God, you don't have free choice. It doesn't exist. If, 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 could if, you stab me right now? I could. You could? I mean, do like, what I mean? I could. I haven't panicked. Do it. Do it. Do it. No, really. I want you to put it through my arm. That's all I mean. No, do it. It's okay. I'm my Hard. Do it. Come on, man. Do it. You have free choice. You don't have free choice. Yeah, it's okay. By the way, the guys, the guys right now are like, I could do it. Think about what you're saying about yourself. I could do it. That's fine. And we, we know he has issues. Everyone knows he has issues. That much we're not hiding. Yeah. What do you ask? What was that? Maybe we might not be able to do it now, yeah, because what happens? All of a sudden, the truth becomes clouded in your anger. That bias blocked the truth. And yes, a person might be able to do a horrific thing when they're angry. I agree. But you shouldn't be proud of that. Right? You shouldn't walk around going, I got free choice. If I get really angry, I think I could murder someone. Yeah, like, all right, so you're a potential murderer. I'd like to think that at this point in my life, while I still do many others, the truth of murder is so true to me that even if I get angry, I don't think I could murder you. Yeah. Last question for the day. Sure, but in a different type of way. Because what they're doing more with their mitzvot is more geared not towards bringing Hashem into diri b'tachtonim, because let's say, for example, they're not doing averas, they can't do tshuva. So in a certain way, they're not as involved in tachtonim as we are. Right, exactly correct. Exactly correct. Okay, Rabbi, so we'll stop here for today.